care for patients or care for my children. Honestly, that's probably the most stressful decision you will ever have to make. And I, I, want to, I don't want women to ever have to make that decision. It's still the women that are, seem to be bearing brunt of the emotional load. Hello, and welcome to the Mothers in Medicine podcast the place where we'll be having honest and open conversations with the leaders in the medical field who are also mothers. I'm Dr. Scholler. I'm a neurology registrar, a wife and a mother. I love my job and I love my family, but life as a mother and a doctor can be hectic. Over the coming weeks, I'll be asking my guests about their real life experiences and they'll share their practical tips and advice for managing the juggle. Today, we're talking about taking back control, living up to other people's expectations and setting boundaries. And I'm really excited that joining me today to discuss this is Dr. Rachel Morris. Rachel is a former GP turned career coach, specialising in resilience for those in high stress jobs and host of the You Are Not A Frog podcast, Hi, Rachel. Thanks for joining me today. Could you start by telling us a bit about yourself? Yes, I'm uh, Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a former GP. Um, I have a background in medical education um, and I've worked as an executive coach and trainer. I currently host the You Are Not A Frog podcast. I run an organisation helping clever people in high stress jobs make a deliberate choice about how they want to live and work. And yeah, my goal is to, I don't know, save the NHS by stopping everyone burning out but uh, one one doctor at a time I'm, I'm really really passionate about doctors having a much better life than they do right now mm. frankly yeah that's me so what led you to leave GP and pursue coaching well I was actually pursuing coaching before I left general practice I think the one brilliant thing about medicine is you can pursue all these different things that you really like and you really enjoy and then one day when one of your other interests in your professional career becomes bigger than the other stuff you then go right I'm going to go and do that one because that's the bit that I enjoy so it wasn't ever a I'm definitely going to leave this to go and do that it was a I wanted a bit of a career change I was a bit bored with what I was doing and because I at at the time was teaching professionalism at Cambridge University I sort of set up and led their course there it got me very interested in the professional behavior of clever people which included resilience and well-being and teamwork so I decided to do some coach training and through that I learned about all these tools and techniques that oh my gosh I wish I'd learned them like 20 years ago when I when I qualified, it would have been massively, massively helpful. And I just thought they were so helpful. I needed to, to share them with other people. And, and through that, I got into um, some leadership development work. I sort of co-authored and delivered the Lead, Manage, Thrive course for Redwell, who's a GP training organisation. I started doing my own sort of wellbeing resilience training, um, both for doctors and in other organisations. And I started the podcast. So it eventually became... Um, clear that I couldn't do everything and so I decided to practice what I preach and just focus on one thing and do one thing really really well so that's where I then left the NHS work and continue doing what I do now. You've got kind of like this focus and this special interest in well-being and you mentioned helping people in kind of high stress jobs was there a moment for you when you know these skills that you were learning were really important? The reason I'm so interested in this stuff is because I've struggled so much in my own life 
I think, you know, you always make this message out of your mess, don't you? And I found being a doctor really, really hard. I found being doctor and a wife really, really hard. I found being doctor and a mum, oh my gosh, almost one of the most difficult things I'd ever done. And I always struggled with organisation anyway. I struggled with um, getting bored quite easily, but also feeling overwhelmed quite easily. And um, I was just really quite miserable in, in my work. And so I started reading stuff about, you know, how to be less miserable, how to feel better. And that, you know... I called them leadership development books. My husband calls them self-help books. So that just sort of put me on this journey of self-awareness and self-discovery where I just found so many different things that, again, I wish I'd known. And I just thought it would be so helpful to, to other doctors who maybe didn't have the time to sit down and read all this stuff or find out about it, which was one of the reasons why I started, about, I started the podcast, because just I just thought, I really want to share this with people. It's so, so important because it, it can quite literally change your life. And if I, hadn't, if I hadn't done it, I would have carried on being thoroughly miserable, hating my job and just hating my life. I struggled with the stress. I don't think I ever properly burnt out, but I think I was very near to it on quite a few occasions. But like a lot of other people, just struggled on thinking that was normal and thinking that that's all I could expect from life. What was the kind of rock bottom for you looking back? I think having small children and working as a GP. It was really hard. You know, I remember um, sort of working, doing some volunteering and my husband was away a lot when the kids were very, very small, maybe two or three times a week. And I hadn't really nailed my childcare so I'd got some childcare but it was quite dependent on having to be home at a certain time and there was a nursery that shut at a certain time and there's nothing more stressful as I'm sure you know than being on duty and having to get back for a certain time for childcare I mean just like off the scale stressful because something comes in you've got no control over and and, and you've got to you know, be there. And I I had not really nailed that. And, you know, I look back and think if I could do anything differently, I would absolutely get watertight childcare and I'd get more than I needed. And I would literally sell my soul and not buy any new clothes, never go on holiday in order to get decent childcare that gave me a little bit more time and freedom. Um, But I remember being on call, being heavily pregnant, racing back, having to get someone else to pick my kids up and then going and cooking for 20 people because I thought I ought to and that's what a good mother did, blah, 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 and just dropping into bed thinking, I am, I've done a surgery all day. I'm absolutely exhausted. Uh, what, what is going on in my life? And, and why? I look back and go, I feel really sorry for that person. And I just think, oh, you poor thing. Who, who told you that you had to be like that who who put those expectations on you and I know what the answer is and the answer is I put them on myself it was a pretty miserable time I think I think I think people don't talk about postnatal depression enough I don't think I had well I don't know I may have had postnatal depression I was certainly very miserable for a long time I never diagnosed myself with it but I think there's a low-grade postnatal young children fatigue and low mood that lots of people have that people just aren't talking about what was the turning point um for you then from there from that place what was that moment you realized that you did have a choice well it was very specific point actually it was new year and we had a bit of a party my sister was there 
my other half was there and I said to them as I like to do every year what are your new year's resolutions and they said we have none but yours is to get a new job and I went can I do that I can't I can't and they went yeah of course you can get some coaching sort it out I was like oh I can and I realized that the only person stopping me getting a new job was me through fear because you know even and I think doctors we're really bad at this we think we've got no transferable skills we don't know where to look we uh, think it should be handed to us on a plate we have been quite infantilized I think in the way that we are treated at work and the way that we have brought ourselves up through the medical system or whatever but you know I genuinely thought I had no choice and my career was over and my life was over not life but you know I that was it and I was only what I was only 40 (laughs) I mean and it wasn't that long ago um yeah it wasn't that long ago It was probably only about seven years ago and I really look back and I really regret the fact I was really quite miserable for, for a very long time because I was absorbing and imbibing everyone else's expectations of what a mother should be of what a doctor should be of the fact I always should should work hard that protestant work ethic those stories that you're told that you imbibe you might not be told them but your value is in in what you do I am what I do or I am what I have or I am what other people think of me and that is so toxic and we get it because that's where we got our praise was from being clever and going to medical school and passing all your exams and being good, being the good girl. Um, I'm not quite so good anymore, which is <laughs> upsetting a few people, I think. But uh, yeah, you know what? I feel more free now than I have done my entire life and I'm, I'm absolutely loving life. How do you think we can sort of better prioritize and set boundaries as mothers in medicine I think it's really I think it's really really difficult and I must say this is a caveat I'm speaking very much with the benefit of hindsight here because I don't think I did it very well at all I think firstly you need to get utterly real with yourself and go I am a human being I have human limits therefore I need to sleep I need to eat I need to drink I need to connect with friends and I need to spend some time without small children (laughs) and I need to look after myself because most mums, the first thing that goes is any sort of self-care or time to them, time to themselves. But if you are not okay, you cannot be the mum that you want to be. Just, just simple and straightforward. Um, So we need to actually get real about what, what you do need. And in order to do that, you set boundaries you prioritise the things you're going to do, the things that you aren't going to do. And you need to be utterly um, ruthless about the fact that you cannot do it all. So if you cannot be a full-time mum and a full-time surgeon, I mean, you just can't. You have a limited amount of time and attention and focus. So you then need to decide where that focus and where that attention is going to be and um, and stick by it because... The problem with boundaries is you you know what the boundaries should be. No, we all know what the boundaries should be, but it's enforcing them that's the problem because if you enforce them and someone doesn't like it, that is when your boundaries completely crumble. Now, as a mum, there are people not liking it all the time. 
sometimes it feels like you cannot win because as someone told me about toddlers, you could give them 100% of your attention and they would want 120% of your attention. That's just the way toddlers are. So your children always want more of you and work will always want more of you. So you feel guilty if you do, you feel guilty if you don't, and you have this guilt on all sides and mothers feel so much guilt and they spend their whole lives apologising for their existence whilst running themselves ragged and serving everybody else. And so it's, it's really the question of not what boundaries do I set, but it's how do I deal with the consequences of setting those boundaries? Because if I say I have to leave work at X time to go and pick the child up from childcare, that's the boundary I'm setting, um, and you choose to stay at work, then the consequences are your child doesn't get picked up. You know, or I mean, you could choose something different. You could choose someone else to pick them up or whatever. If you choose to say no at work, then the consequences might be, might be something else. Someone might be a bit naffed off with you. They might not think so well of you. But as soon as that happens, we start to tell us all, ourselves these stories. Oh, that person's upset with me. I must be a bad person. It's awful. They don't think well of me. Oh my goodness, my career's going to go down the drain. Um, I am actually quite a bad doctor. I'm, I'm really not very committed to my, my patients because I am leaving at half past five, even though you've got to go and get your kid. Or, you know, I must be a bad mother because actually other mothers aren't putting their children in this much childcare. So there's just all these all these consequences and it's all due to this uh, and the reason we can't cope with the consequences is because of the stories we're telling ourselves and the unrealistic expectations we have on ourselves often thinking that there are literally 25 hours in the day you know believing that we can turn time that we don't need this much sleep that we don't need to look after ourselves that we don't need this that we don't need that and we end up thinking that we are there to serve everybody else and what we need doesn't matter. And there's one thing I've learned is that what we need 100% matters. And this isn't a selfish thing. It's actually a selfless thing. If you attend to your own needs, then you are able to attend to other people's needs. It was brought home to me the other day, actually, we were, you know, I've, I've, been a bit overwhelmed recently and I've really had to talk to myself about this and and, um, put some self-care stuff in and uh, we went out for Mother's Day I think I shared this on our our podcast and my husband asked the the kids said um, right let's uh, share one thing we like about mum shall we and my 16 year old boy his his thing about me that he liked was oh mum you've been less stressed recently (laughs) that's the one nice thing you can say about me but genuinely it was a compliment because when I'm stressed and rushed and hurried and with no energy and not looking after myself, I'm not very nice to be around. I'm really not. I don't care for people very well. And I'm not at my best and I'm not enjoying life. And, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a great mum. But it's, it's me that stops me doing that. Because if I wasn't telling myself those stories, when someone gets upset at me for leaving work on time, I'm, I'm not telling myself I'm a dreadful person. I'm just like, oh, that person's upset that's a shame, you know, I'm not beating myself up, I'm not beating myself about being a dreadful mother, because I'm going, well, I chose to work here, I chose to look after my children here, yes, you can always do more, but one one makes a choice, so it is entirely our own stories in our, in our heads, and I think as mums, we need to back ourselves, we need to 
do some self-care, we need to watch ourselves talk and we need to stop comparisons. That's really interesting because I can think of two examples when I've tried to set a boundary. Well, obviously it happens all the time, but two really come to mind of where I've really tried to set a boundary and then I've struggled when the rubber hit the road. And one of those is when I just came back from maternity leave and I think I'd been back at work a couple of weeks and um, suddenly I was in this clinic and running over and finished at five in Liverpool and needed to be in Manchester for six o'clock to get my kids. (laughs) And I was just feeling it. I mean, it was stupid. I should have thought about it before. I hadn't nailed, you know, like you said, nailed that kind of childcare um, element. You know, I think we just kind of thought we'd wing it. It will be okay. But actually, I suddenly found myself with my back against the ward and the pressure and the heat. (laughs) Like, I suddenly, you know, because I knew that my kids would be waiting and I knew that the patients were waiting and it's like you kind of just felt it all closing in on you and in that moment I reprioritized although I'd said you know I'm always going to leave at five etc etc I had to reprioritize the patients because I'm like they're sat there in the waiting room and at least my kids are kind of like in a safe place and you know we tried to reorganize and if they pay me if they charge me 20 pound a minute after six o'clock to keep looking after my kids I'm just gonna that's gonna have to be the consequence of that but you know I really felt that heat but then there's other times also which I've kind of struggled with at work which is um, those times when you're kind of offered a piece of work or something to do and you know you feel like everyone around you really is really ambitious but I know that if, if I take that on, then I'm going to have to carry that with all the other things that I'm carrying and it's going to be too much in this moment. And, and, I, and I do agree, it's kind of that, um, the chatter that then goes on, oh, this is what this person's going to think of me, they're going to think, you know, I've, I've, I've not got any ambition, you know, I might lose out on other opportunities, they think this or they think that. Um, so how do we get out of that? It's really, really hard. I mean, I think you've got two really interesting scenarios then. And the first one about the, the, the patient. Now, if I was coaching you, I would suggest you would do a zone of power and say, OK, what's in your zone of power? What are you in control of? What are you not in control of? And something I do see with mums time and time again is the this thing of, yes, I'm, I'm winging it with the childcare. It will probably be OK. Fingers crossed. But the minute you know you're going to be late it's actually quite hard to think straight anyway. So I'm not, you know, with a patient. So I think I, um, and I'm, I'm not going to ask you what your other half was doing or if you have not I, I don't know what your home setup is, but... Yeah, yeah. No, I did give him a call and it, it, the pressure was yeah, on for the, the two of us. Yeah, the thing is, so. why, my question would also, and this is a bit off piece, but why is it the mother that bears the responsibility and the brunt of getting the kids? Now, it is almost universal, honestly and I know that there'll be some listeners be oh no my husband's really wonderful he's a stay-at-home dad he does it great exception rather than the rule most men are off working and even if you're working exactly the same amount as them you're gonna have to cut this out because I'm <laughs> I think I'm ranting no, 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 okay. no. <laughs> I don't want to be sexist because I know there are some men that really honestly do take the fair share of work but I think what it is is it's the mental ticker tape of I am responsible for it I ought I ought to and I think that's another story that women tell themselves is that they are oh we're in an equal marriage we're an equal partnership but I am actually more responsible for the children than he is which then leads us to go oh my husband's wonderful he's babysitting tonight no he's looking after his children you know it's and we're always the ones having to say oh would you mind picking them up tonight 
well, why do we, why are we asking them like they're doing us a favour? They're their children as well. And that does not seem to be equal. And I don't think we've progressed very much in the last 20 years with this whole childcare thing. Um, I really, I really don't when I see that it's still the women that are, seem to be bearing the brunt of the emotional load. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to negate, you know, there are many men that do carry the emotional load and there are many single dads and there are many stay at home dads, et cetera, et cetera. And it's getting better. And it's not just a, and, and I, I say this because, you know, we did a podcast recently with, um, Chloe and nothing from the Medical Women's Federation. And the evidence still is that women are bearing the brunt of the childcare and it's got worse during, since the COVID pandemic. Um, but I think there is, as a mum, if you are going to be choosing to work as a doctor, I think you owe it to yourself to nail that childcare so you're not put in that position. And even if it costs a lot of money and you have to forego some of the luxuries in life, and you might have to have some difficult conversations with your, with your other half who might be saying, oh, we don't really need a nanny or we don't need this. You're going, no, if I want to work and I don't want to be making those decisions about patients or children, that is a horrible decision to have to make right there. Honestly, that's probably the most stressful decision you will ever have to make, right? Care for patients or care for my children. And I, I, want to, I don't want women to ever have to make that decision. Can I just ask for three final tips, your top tips for mothers in medicine? Oh, I mean, just practically nail your childcare. Get the best childcare you can and as much of it as you can and get more than you think you need because that extra stuff you can spend going to see a friend, going to the cinema, going for a massage, you know, just looking after yourself and have backup plans. So have a regular backup plan, like on a Wednesday, if the clinic overruns, that person can do it. Um, and and see yourself very much as as uh, if you are if you are able to co-parent the co-parent is a co-parent you are not the one doing it all it should be it should be equal so that's my first thing um I I and I know people go on about this all the time but you've got to put your oxygen mask on first it, it you have got to care for yourself and look after yourself because you are no good as a mother. That nobody wants a half burnt out mum, as a mum or as a as a doctor, and that involves being a bit selfish. So you're going to have to, and in order to be a bit selfish, you're going to have to look at the stories you're telling yourself. And if you have these deeply ingrained stories of I'm not good enough, I should, I ought to. I feel guilty, blah blah blah. Then get whatever help you need to do to start to address those stories and start to change them be it training courses, be it therapy, be it reading, be it listening to podcasts, you know, because it is so important what we, that we start to change our mindset and we start to think differently about the choices that we're making. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks for listening. Join us again for the next episode of the Mothers in Medicine podcast. And remember to follow or subscribe. And if there's anything you'd like to hear discussed on a future episode, you can contact me at themimpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>